All right, well, welcome everybody to day one of week one of Reboot. And whether you are joining us online or in person at one of our campuses, you have picked a great day to be here as we kick off this six-week journey we're taking together as a church family. And what that means is for the next 41 days, we're going to be focusing on how to learn from the things we've been through in the past, how to let go of the things that are holding us back in the present, and how to refresh God's purposes in this frantic future that we now live in. And to help us do that, we're not only going to be talking about these topics in our Sunday messages, but we're also going to be doing a small group reboot study in all of our adult home groups where we're going to take these things we're talking about on Sunday and really dig down, drill down, personalize them for our individual lives. So if you've not yet connected to a home group, go ahead and do that ASAP. If you're in person, just stop by a welcome. Center, Connection Center, grab somebody that can help you with that. If you're watching online, just click on that link there to get connected in a home group. Don't let another week go by without being fully engaged in this reboot journey. Now, in addition to our Sunday messages, our small group studies, we're all going to be doing a daily reading plan together through the Bible app. It's a 25-day Bible reading plan called Reboot. And the link to that reading plan has been posted on our Facebook page. It's on our web page. It's on our app. It's on a, the link in the chat if you're watching online. And I know sometimes for some of us, uh, engaging with technology like this can be a little frustrating or you don't know what to do or how to do it. And so what we tend to do is just go, well, never mind, I won't do the daily reading plan. Can I just say, please don't let that be the case. Let us help you. Reach out on the chat. Stop by a welcome center somewhere. Find somebody under the age of 30. They can help you download this, get the Bible app, get that link, and start reading because day one starts today. The reading starts today. And so if you haven't done that, I hope you'll do that sometime uh, before uh, midnight tonight because I want you to be a part of all of the parts of this journey. Now, speaking of technology and it being frustrating, I just have to tell you this story. Several years ago, when we launched the Cedar Creek Church app, our goal with that was to provide you with the most up-to-date information about what is going on at the church. We wanted it to be like a church newsletter in digital form right there on your phone or computer. And so we got that thing launched and got you guys to download it. And about, I don't know, it was a month or so after we launched that, I was actually sitting in my office trying to remember what time an upcoming event was supposed to start. I couldn't remember if it started at five or six. And I was sitting there thinking, and all of a sudden, ding, 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 the light bulb went on. And I said, I've got the app on my phone. So I opened up the app, and do you know what came up? Old information. Information about events and things that had already happened. And there was no information about the upcoming stuff on there. So I blew a gasket. I picked up the phone. I called over to the creative office and I'm like, what are y'all doing over there? 
We spent a lot of time and energy telling people to download the app so that we could keep them up to date with what was coming up at the church. And there's nothing on the app but old stuff. What are y'all doing? And to their credit, they just calmly replied. Pastor Philip, look at your app. Okay, I'm looking at my app, and it's just old stuff. Do you see that big button in the middle of the screen that says refresh? I said, yeah, I see it. They said, just touch that button. And when I did magically, all the old stuff was gone, and all the new up-to-date stuff showed up. Wouldn't it be great if life came with the refresh button? Right, especially after this year we've been through. Wouldn't it be great to push that button and just be beyond all of this craziness and chaos and just go back to the way things used to be? That would be great, but let me just tell you, that is not reality. As much as we may desire that, there's not going to be a switch that gets flipped and this pandemic is ended. There's not going to be a button to push and all of a sudden the deep divisions and racial tensions and struggles within our country are not going away. Yeah, I mean, eventually the pandemic will be behind us, but the effects of it will continue to impact our community, our businesses, our families, and our churches moving forward. The, the deep political divisions and racial tensions that have been bubbling over into the streets of our nation, they're not going to magically disappear no matter who gets elected or what laws get passed. This stuff is with us and its influence and impact and scars of it are going to change how we live. And as scary as that is or as frustrating as that may be for us, there is good news for us today. And the good news is this, none of this has taken God by surprise. God is still faithful He's not surprised by the pandemic or all of this political stuff. And God, not only is God not surprised for, by it, but God has a plan and a purpose to move and work in it now and in the future moving forward. Let me give you some encouragement today. It's not from me. It's from God through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 19, check it out. God says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God's doing a new thing. The question for us is, are we going to sit around just waiting for the normal to come back? Are we just going to sit around waiting and wishing and hoping and dreaming for the good old days? Or are we going to be willing to be a part of the new thing that God is doing? And look, not only do we need to answer that question for ourselves individually, we need to answer that question for us collectively as a church family. If we really want the mission and vision of Cedar Creek Church to continue to be as effective and impactful as it has been in the past 26 years, then we're going to have to reboot our strategy. We're going to have to rethink the way we live out this mission and vision in a post-pandemic, politically divided world. And that's what I want to talk about today. 
two keys to rebooting the strategy so that we can be a part of the new thing that God is doing. Now, before we look at these two keys, I just want to define what I mean when I say mission and vision and strategy. We throw those words around a lot. And those three things are very interconnected with one another. They affect one another, but they are very different things. When we talk about the mission, the mission of our church, this is the sole purpose for why we exist. Our mission is the ultimate reason why we're here. We get this mission from the words of Jesus in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have shown and taught you, for I am with you even to the end of the age. That is the mission of the Big C Church. Every church, every New Testament, Bible-believing, Christ-following church has the same mission. We just use the phrase, helping people find their way back to God, as a, a clear way to communicate Jesus' words in the Great Commission. That's what we mean when we say helping people find their way back to God. That is our mission, and that mission will never change, has never changed. Vision, on the other hand, is the unique way that Cedar Creek Church carries out our mission. All churches have the same mission, but churches have different visions in how they accomplish that mission. And our vision, because we are a purpose-driven church, focuses on the five purposes of the New Testament church as described in Scripture. We exist to reach people who are far from God, to connect with them in authentic community, to help all of us grow as we serve others and honor God with our lives. Reach, connect, grow, serve, honor. Those five purposes are what it looks like when we are accomplishing the mission that God has given us. Mission never changes. Vision is unique to a church and changes rarely. Strategy, on the other hand, is an ever-changing, ever-evolving way in which we live out the mission of our church. Our strategy always has to be changing and updating and adapting to the ever-changing world of the people who are far from God that we are tasked with reaching and connecting and growing and serving and honoring God. But rebooting a strategy is not new for us here at Cedar Creek. We've been rebooting strategies for 26 years. 26 years ago, the strategy of Cedar Creek Church was five couples meeting in the living room of our founding pastor, one home group meeting in one living room. That was the strategy. And as God moved and worked and more people were reached and connected, they went from being one group in one living room to being five home groups meeting in five different living rooms a strategy shift. And in addition to that, to keep those five home groups connected with one another, they begin public worship services on Sunday mornings in a rented daycare on Pine Log Road here in Aiken. And for years, that was the strategy. And as God blessed and brought more and more people in, they realized this 
facility wouldn't work, and so they bought 14 acres here at what we now call our Banks Mill campus and began to build buildings not only for large groups of adults to meet, but incredible environments for children and students to be able to worship God in age-appropriate ways, to be able to connect in authentic community on Sunday mornings. It was a strategy shift. And then 16 years ago, when we had three services in that small building over we call Building 4 at Banks Mill, and people were hanging from the rafters and couldn't get in, they shifted strategy and built one large worship center here for adults and expanded the children's and the student areas, and we became one very big church in one location. And God poured out his blessings. He moved and worked, and thousands of people came to Jesus and got baptized and had their lives transformed. But we quickly began to realize 10, 11 years ago that there were people in our community and other areas that we could not reach by being one church in one location. And so we rebooted to a multi-site strategy where we were one church in three locations, reaching people we could have never reached before. And God blessed that. And we've seen the fruits of that over these last 10 years. And then this past year, we had to do an emergency reboot of our strategy when we were no longer able to gather in person in home groups or in large group worship gatherings. And so we did an emergency reboot. We went from being one church in three locations to being one church in hundreds of locations, connected online, in living rooms, and providing children's curriculum, and doing everything we could do online. It is an amazing God story when you look at the history of this church. But you need to realize all of those strategic reboots required two things. Two things the people who call Cedar Creek Church home had to be willing to do in order to be a part of the new thing that God was doing in a new way. One, write this down. We have to focus on God's faithfulness, but forget the form. We have to focus on God's faithfulness, but we have to forget the form that that faithfulness is seen. What do I mean by that? One of the biggest mistakes we can make as Christ followers and as churches is to assume that the way that God has moved and worked and blessed in the past is going to be the way he moves and works and blesses in the future. That's rarely the case. In fact, that's why you see so many churches continuing to implement the same strategy that they used 50 or 100 years ago, and then they're wondering why they're dying. They're wondering why God is not moving and blessing. Here's why, because when the form of God's faithfulness becomes more important than the fact that God is faithful, we miss the new thing he's doing right in front of us. This promise from Isaiah 43 about God doing a new thing, the context of it is fascinating, right? God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel when they are in exile in Babylon. You remember last week, I told you the story of God rescuing the the Hebrew slaves from Egypt, and he overwhelmed Pharaoh with plagues, and he called them out, and all two million of them walked out free together, 
And then they were trapped up against the Red Sea. And remember what God did? He parted the Red Sea, turned the sea into a highway, and they walked across it. But when the army tried to follow them, God removed it, and boom, the sea collapsed in on, destroyed Pharaoh's army completely. Now they are scattered again. They've not only inherited the promised land, but they've conquered the people there. They've established themselves. They have become the most powerful nation in the world. They built the city of Jerusalem. They built the temple, and life is good. They can worship in large group at the temple and live in the city, and God is being faithful, but they did what we often do when God is blessing. We start taking credit for it, patting ourselves on the back, saying, look what we did. And when we forget God, God often removes his hand of protection. And what happened is the Babylonians came in, destroyed Jerusalem, and scattered the nation of Israel across the empire of Babylon. I mean, talk about socially distancing. Talk about quarantining and not being able to go to church in the temple. They had it in stacks on stacks on stacks. And so they are waiting for God to do again what he did in Egypt. And it's interesting because look at what God says to him in verse 16 and 17. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He's taken them back to the days when he parted the Red Sea and destroyed Egypt's army. And I guarantee you they were sitting there going, do it again, God. God's going to pour out plagues on Babylon. He's going to part the desert, and we're all going back home free. That's what they were planning, for God to be faithful in the same form he had been faithful before. But look at what God says. Very next verse, verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. What a strange thing for God to do to remind them of how he's been faithful in the past, but then tell them not to dwell on that past. Why? Why would God do that? Because God wants them to focus on his faithfulness, not the form of how that faithfulness happened. So what does that mean for us as a church? In a post-pandemic, deeply divided culture, I think it means two things. One, we have to keep our focus on God's faithfulness. It is so easy right now to be distracted by the things of this world. It's so easy to get sucked into Facebook and the evening news and cable news, and all of a sudden we're just looking at the chaos and we've got our eyes off of God and his faithfulness. We've got to stay focused on God's faithfulness moving forward. But there's a second thing we've got to do, and this may be harder. We have to be willing to let go of our personal preferences from the past. I mean, if we're honest, especially those of us who have been a part of Cedar Creek Church for a long time, am I the only one who often finds myself longing for the good old days? For the days when, you know, we put out our own chairs in the daycare center or the days when we were packing out that small building on our Banks Mill campus or are you looking for the good old days when your campus was full of people and it was packed and everybody was talking about Cedar Creek Church and we were the buzz of the community. Don't you want it to go back? We long for those good old days. But let me tell you this, if we're not careful, the things that we long for in the past, 
can get in the way of the new thing that God is doing in our future. Listen, let me tell you something. The same God whose faithfulness changed so many lives when thousands of people were gathering for in-person services, that same God is faithful enough to transform 10,000 lives when people gather, whether that's all in person in a few buildings or whether we are scattered out, connected in living rooms and homes from Ghana, West Africa, all the way to Hookstown, Pennsylvania. God can do it however he wants to do it. I'm just saying if we get hung up on the form, we're gonna miss the fact that God is faithful and is doing a new thing. So let's get specific. What does this mean for us as a church for our strategy? It starts by remembering that the way we reach and connect people is not nearly as important as the fact that we need to reach and connect people. You wanna know something interesting? All of those strategy reboots in the 26 year history of Cedar Creek Church, you know the one thing that was consistent The one thing that never changed for 26 plus years, connecting people in authentic community through home groups. That ultimately we have to sit knee to knee, nose to nose, skin to skin, heart to heart, and do life together in small groups. Look, if we didn't learn anything from this pandemic, did we not at least learn how important this is? That's why I said back almost a year ago in March, Cedar Creek Church was built for this. We've never needed large in-person gatherings to live out the mission and vision. We're always gonna ultimately connect people in authentic community. But how we get those people connected is changing and it's gonna continue to change. Like for years, right, all you had to do was just invite somebody. Come to Sunday morning. Come to my church on Sunday morning. Come to my home group. And people came, right? And while that may continue, you need to understand your sphere of influence just got a whole lot bigger over the last 12 months. Now you're talking about not just being able to invite your neighbors or coworkers or people at the ball field. Your social media presence has expanded your sphere of influence. And you can invite and share with people what God is doing in and through your church home by sharing it, commenting on it, liking it on your social media platform. It's like, remember the little invitation cards we used to give out at Christmas and Easter and say invite people? This is invitation cards on steroids. It is an opportunity for you to reach beyond just the people that you are physically connected with because people, people are not just gonna show up in person at a church service like they used to 15, 20 years ago. The world has changed. They may connect with us online for months, if not years, before ever taking that next step. Our job is not to get people to respond to God's call. Our job is just to connect people with Jesus and get out of the way and let him work. Man, as difficult as this past year has been, can I just tell you, I've never been more excited about the new thing that God is doing and the new people he wants to reach in and through this church called Cedar Creek Church. But that's not gonna happen if we don't get our eyes off the form of God's faithfulness in the past 
and focus on his faithfulness no matter what the future holds. The second thing we have to do to reboot the strategy is we have to move from a come and see to go and do. We have to move from come and see to go and do. You know, I've shared with you throughout this past year that over and over, God has taken me back to the parable of the Good Samaritan. This great story that Jesus told in response to the question, how do I love my neighbor? The reason I believe God keeps drawing me back to this is not only is it so relevant for what we're, what's going on in our community in terms of crossing racial boundaries in order to help people who are different from us, but I, I believe God is also drawing us there to point out to us where that help takes place. Notice what Jesus says, Luke 10, verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Paul's right there. For the people listening to this story, that would not have been surprising at all. The Jericho Road was known as the most dangerous road in that area. And people traveling down, and especially traveling alone, were much more likely to be attacked than to get safely down this road. And you know what? When I look at our community, it's a lot like the Jericho Road was 2,000 years ago. Very few people are making it unscathed. The ditches of the Jericho Road in our community is full of broken, hurting people who have been beat down, not by robbers in the street, but been beat down by health issues. They've been beat down by mental health issues. They've been beat down by addictions and the struggles financially of this past year and of life. And the question is, Will we sit back and wait and hand them a card and say, come to church, Jesus can help? Or will we live out that help as we walk that road? Interesting, the dramatic twist that Jesus puts on the story. Notice verse 31 and 32. Jesus said, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Listen, the fact that Jesus made the first two people to walk down that road, a priest and a Levite, is significant. I believe there's something Jesus is wanting us to learn from this, because these are the very people who should have helped. These were church leaders. These were pastors and staff members. The very people who are supposed to help people hurting in the ditch walked on by. And I believe part of the reason Jesus adds that to the story is as a warning to us. We better be careful not to get so busy going to church and so busy doing our little church thing that we pass by the hurting people in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and in our community. Look, the story doesn't end there. Jesus said a fourth person comes down this road, the hated Samaritan. And look at what it says, verse 33 and 34. It says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. See, what I want you to notice is not just a Samaritan helping a Jew. I want you to notice he went to where the man was. He got in 
to the ditch with him. The mission and vision of Cedar Creek Church is not lived out when we gather together either in person or online. The mission and vision of Cedar Creek Church is lived out when we are scattered and walking the Jericho Road in our life. That's why Jesus in the Great Commission, look at what he says, Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. The verb go that Jesus used there literally means as you go. As you are going through life, he's not just saying when you go on a global outreach trip, when you go down to Guatemala or you go to East Asia or whatever it is, it's not just that. It's as you go through life, as you're walking that Jericho road. That's where the mission and vision happens. In the past, reaching and connecting people was as easy as inviting them to come and see. Come and see our large group gatherings on Sunday morning. Come and see my home group on Wednesday night. And listen, while I believe God will continue to use that strategy to reach some people, the number of people that will be reached by that strategy is getting a whole lot smaller in the new normal that we live. That's not just the result of the pandemic. You do understand that for the past 20 years, there's been a trend in our nation of decreased attendance of in-person worship at churches all across the nation. Less and less people are actually coming to church, being a part of the church. And less and less people in the ditches of life are looking to the church or a church service as a place to find hope and help. The pandemic didn't cause it. It accelerated what was already happening. So what does that mean to us? That means we have to get a lot more intentional about our role on the Jericho Road. What I'm saying is we, we have to move from just trying to get people to church to get help to being the help that people need wherever they are. And that's why over the next several months as a staff and as leadership, we're going to be trying to equip you with tools and resources and training that can help you live out the mission on your Jericho Road. It's a reboot strategy, but it is the same vision, the same mission, and the same faithful God. Now listen, I understand new is scary. The older I get, the more scared I become of change, the harder it is for me. But you know what? That's always true. Change is a scary thing. That's why before God tells the nation of Israel that he's about to show his faithfulness in a new way, he addresses their fears by reminding him in the midst of all this change, he never changes. Notice Isaiah 43, one through three. Do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. Why? For I am the Lord, your God the Holy One of Israel, 
your Savior. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I thank you that in the midst of all this change and the fears that bubble up within us as we think about trying to live out the mission and the vision you've called us to, I thank you in all of that uncertainty, we can focus on your certainty, your faithfulness. So, Father, I pray right now that you would begin to help us begin to let go of the things of the past that are getting in the way of the new thing you want to do right now. Help us, Father, find you faithful in the midst of the desert, in the wilderness of this new world, this new normal. Father, would we be faithful to live out what you've called us to in spite of all of this. We pray this in your name. Amen.